Blog Talk Radio. You may not know this about me. I'm not the biggest fan of kids in general. Uh, they're erratic. They're irrational. They're overly emotional. The entire body chemistry, both physiologically and chemically, is constantly changing. And if I ever have children, I'm sure I will feel differently about my own as a general rule. But, man, every time I hear that particular little bit of, I hesitate to call it singing, I'm transported to every poor parent who had to sit through every elementary school singing recital that either I had to participate in or had to go see because they were my brothers, who are like 14 and 15 years younger than me. And I just, I feel a great swell of so much sympathy for all those poor people who had to just grin and bear it and pretend to record it for posterity. Because really, how do you people put up with I just, I just don't understand on some fundamental levels, I guess. Hi, everybody. This is the Rattlich and Broadcasting Network Movie Review Club. I'm Robert Winfrey. And, uh... Yeah, I'm just I'm going to continue bagging on that song every week because I can. It's a bit, you see. We have bits. Here with me, as always, is the spiritual patriarch of the Radlich and Broadcasting Network. He would be my boss if I got a cut of the uh, you know revenue generated by this, but since that's so negligible, I mean, he'd spend more money actually sending it to me than I would probably get as a percentage of the shows that I do relative to the amount of income brought in. Mark Radlich is here with me again. How you doing, Mark? We we love our children, sir. And it doesn't matter that they sound like nails on a chalkboard or that the uh, children who play the violin murder the instrument and everything that gets in its way. Uh, we love our children and we support them. I've had to watch my daughter uh, do dance recitals for the past, she's five, started at two, three years. There'll be another one coming up June 3rd. And, uh, you know, and the, the very first time she walked out there, she stared at me and, and blinked and <laughs> didn't actually do any dancing. And I'll tell you, my reaction to that was spending all this money for her to dance. And, she, and you know, and now it comes time for her to perform and she stands there and looks at me. And then I was told, you're lucky she didn't run off stage. 
So I was you know. waiting for you to just kind of segue with, and boy, she ain't graceful. <laughs> well, that's a whole other kettle of fish, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, tonight, Mark and I will be doing a lot of filler, almost as much filler as went into this movie, mind you. Appreciate it. Uh, That's the word. We're reviewing the Angry Birds movie. Uh, for those of you who... Uh, I, I realized that, you know, unless you click the link that said the Angry Birds movie review, you wouldn't necessarily be aware of that. We are reviewing the Angry Birds movie tonight. And... And, and why are we reviewing the Angry Birds movie? Because it was number one this weekend, baby. Woo! We're reviewing it because Mark put it on the schedule. Ah, you shut up over there with your thing. Uh, anyway, the point being, this will be a review that is uh, pretty fast, I imagine. There's not a whole lot to talk about here. Um, Mark... You want to say anything before I do my, you know, plot synopsis such as it is for a feature-length animated film based on a Flash game? Can I please do my plot synopsis, then you do yours? Because mine's going to be a little different. By all means. Okay. Uh, This is a story about an indigenous, indigenous culture that lives on a, uh, an island separated from the masses, okay? Like, think about like Madagascar or something like some along the lines, those lines. Uh, so you have this indigenous culture, separate from the rest of the world, uh, has no knowledge of the rest of the world, is sort of naive in that way. Um, it would be wrong to call them primitive, though primitive might be a word uh, used for this type of, pe- for this type of civilization, uh, in other mediums and or in the past. Uh, the focal point is an outsider uh, in this indigenous culture who um, you know lives by himself and does not tend to, t- tends not to interact is just seem as seems odd, different. He questions too much. He asks too many questions about what's going on in the world. And for that, he, you know, he, is not, he not only separates himself, but he is isolated by, uh, by that civilization. And wouldn't you know, they are one day visited by travelers. These travelers uh, bring with them new inventions. They bring with them interesting ideas. They bring with them their own culture. And they promise them riches. They promise them intrigue and wonder and they are and because this culture is naive they are welcomed with open arms but as it turns out uh they are they they have a nefarious purpose the the visiting culture you see has used up its resources so they are now traveling from place to place kind of like the aliens and independence day or uh, the vikings um not so much the Europeans. They hadn't used up their resources so much as they were traveling and conquering uh, to gain more resources and, you know, and such. And I'm not going to get into a whole history lesson here, but you get the idea. That that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a sort of a Viking culture here. Um, and so they come across this naive uh, indigenous culture, and they, they 
reveal themselves to be uh, looking for resources that they no longer have. And those resources happen to be the uh, children of this culture. They came essentially to take the eggs because these are birds, you see. So they steal the eggs, right? And now this, and now this naive, this terribly almost childlike culture has to come to grips with their own identity, you see. They have to come to grips with the idea of venturing forth into, a, into an unknown world to try to get back the children that were stolen from them. And so they take one of the inventions that were left behind, which is a slingshot, and they mount, and this is where it really gets interesting, they mount a counteroffensive against the, we'll call them the Viking culture, that stole their eggs. They proceed to use artillery weapons from themselves, you see. They, they're launching themselves at the, at, the, at the Viking civilization that has built up these, long, these large towers and spires and apartments and such. So uh, they turn themselves into artillery fire and proceed to bring the Viking civilization down. Yes. So you see, they, they, they grow as a culture into warriors, kamikaze warriors as such. And they take the civilization down. They bring back their children. They are older. They are wiser. They are tougher for their efforts. And that, my friends, is the Angry Birds movie. Robert? You ascribed entirely too much intelligence to the plot of this film. <laughs> I have been working on that all the last couple of days. Before you get into your 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 uh, your takedown of this movie, which I'm sure is what's going to happen with your with your plot synopsis, let me so first say that while I may have ascribed way too much cultural anthropology to, <laughs> to an Angry Birds movie, my daughter's opinion of the movie was she liked the part where the white bird with a girl white bird uh, fired fireballs from her butt. Lily, what did you like best about this movie? When the girl shot fireballs from her butt. Which I think is an ample summation of this movie, don't you think? Well, I mean, in the same vein as your plot synopsis, I could have one that resorts to jingoism. But, uh... <laughs> I think so. I, I, I think I'd like to hear... I think we could keep doing plot synopsis of this movie for an hour. Well, you see, you have a very fundamentally sound, almost idyllic people who are watched over by a bald eagle. This would represent America under the liberals. And as soon as the pigs show up, they don't ask questions, not a single one of them. And the red bird, because he represents the conservatives, you see, red, decides that, you know, this might not be the best thing to just open our arms and our society to these pigs. And he is roundly shouted down and dismissed out of hand. And that really comes back to bite them because the pigs steal their children and make off with them with the intent to eat them. And they have to rally around the formerly believed, you know, outcast, insane, too angry Redbird in order to effect any change and alter their position in the world. I like it. <laughs> Jingoism, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, I was the one that argued last year that Minions was about finding God 
and finding purpose in one's life or finding purpose in one's life through religion. Well, there's, uh, there's a bit more realism behind that in the sense that the people who write both Despicable Me and the Minions films tend to actually put that kind of thought into what goes on this. I'm just being, again, mostly facetious. <laughs> okay. Should we tell people what the movie is really about? Yeah, sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for, again, no jokes, no sarcasm. Well, there will probably be some sarcasm. Uh, Anyway, this movie predominantly follows the bird Red, who is a bit of an outcast within the bird society. These birds all live on Bird Island, and none of them can fly. These are all flightless birds. Because they have evolved that way. Since being there, they have no reason to leave, so flight becomes superfluous to their existence. I don't know. It's never explained. These birds don't fly. The mighty eagle flies. Again, the bald eagle that I made jokes about. He can fly, except he's, you know, kind of fat. But Red doesn't really fit in. He was an orphan, which is apparently something of a unique thing amongst this culture. He has some anger issues. Some of them are, you know, the other people deserve him to get a little angry. Sometimes it's him blowing things out of proportion. He moved his house out. He is an outsider from this community. He blows up. uh, He's a clown. He blows up at one of the people who paid for him to show up because he was a little bit late. He feels put upon, and if you watch the opening sequence, he is put upon. He gets sentenced to anger management, which is apparently the harshest penalty this society can impose. Again, liberals. <laughs> uh, there he meets two, uh, uh, three other birds. Terrence, who is the Red Hulk, and does very little. Uh, Bombs, who explodes, and Chuck, who is very fast. These are all based on birds you can use in the Angry Birds game. Red being the normal one. While he is attempting to undergo anger management and become closer to other people and a fully realized emotional bird, pigs show up and the pigs play nice at first. There's only two of them and, oh, they're just explorers and, oh, look, there's birds and, you know, we're going to be nice and then there's more pigs. Red doesn't trust the pigs. He is roundly shouted down at pretty much every time he tries to mention that, hey, There's a lot of these pigs on this boat. They were lying about it. And the other birds just buy into whatever BS the king pig spews. And there's a lot of it. Uh, Disillusioned with his, you know, local government, Red decides to recruit his two friends, and they go meet the mighty eagle, who's not, you know, people debate whether he even exists, leading to one of the better gags in this movie. Uh, with the eagle peeing into the lake because it goes on forever. <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, the eagle is old and fat and a little bit crazy and is not going to help them. While they're up there, the pigs start stealing eggs and blowing up the village. Uh, Red and his friends get down, but they are entirely too late to actually stop this from happening. The pigs sail off back to Piggy Island, the seat of their civilization. And the birds realize that, no, Red was right. We, What are we going to do now? So they build a raft. They 
go after the pigs. They use a giant slingshot to launch themselves into the pig city. They almost universally sprout new magical powers uh, because they because they fly because flying through the air engenders that apparently. Like shooting uh, fireballs from yeah, one of them learns how to explode. One of them's a boomerang. I mean, there's all kinds of crap. Uh, anyway, Red eventually finds the eggs, saves them, the mighty eagle, having realized some of his potential, or I don't know, because they needed a MacGuffin. Not a MacGuffin, that's the wrong word. They needed a plot device to get the eggs out of the palace once Red finds them. And the only bird that can fly, the eagle, works very well for that. Okay, hang on. Also, because in the game, he's used as like a he's the 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 flying eagle is in the game, and they needed to incorporate him somewhere and have him do something other than be crazy. But he has the lake of whiz. In the game, um, if you launch it like a what looks like a bar of soap with a fish on it, if like let's say you've used all your birds. I did research on this movie, by the way. I played Angry Birds after uh, after I saw it. And um, yeah, I've played through a couple of levels now, so I understand fully all the characters and, w- and what makes them tick and what they're useful for. So the Mighty Eagle, uh, if you've used all your birds, but you still have pigs left, you can launch this bar of soap. It's like a, you know, it's like a call. And the Mighty Eagle will come, and it will come you know, at a diagonal line at that bar of soap, and it will wipe out whatever piggies are left on the screen. So it makes sense. Okay. So the eagle shows up and carries off the eggs. Red winds up losing one egg, which he stays behind to get. He has the uh, big climactic battle with Leonard. That results in him winning when all the TNT blows up. Uh, The birds return to their island a little bit wiser, with all the eggs safely intact. And... Uh, Red is reaccepted back into the community, and we end with them all dancing and the pig Leonard hatching a new, more insidious plot. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that, that's about the size of it, guys. I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead because we have so much analysis to do with this movie. We have a lot of things to talk about. But let me say, this movie made money. This movie's already made uh, twice its budget, so uh, a, a sequel is going to happen. One would assume. <laughs> uh, uh, um, before we before we go on, hang on. Uh, Jeff Harris is on the line here, and I'm always happy to get his two cents on movies like this. So uh, before we go on, uh, my colleague from the 411 Ground and Pound radio show, he's all over the zones of 411mania.com. Uh, Jeff Harris is here. Good evening, uh, Winfrey and uh, Mark Rattles. I'm very excited about this show. Uh, thank you very much. Mark, a quick correction. Um, it's not a bar of soap that lures out uh, Mighty Eagle in the game. It's a can of sardines is what he's asking. Thank you, sir. I, um, good this, correction. This movie, I mean, I didn't like the movie. I just thought it was fairly juvenile. And I think w- the attempts at adult humor weren't even that funny. And I think the payoffs to what they set up for characters weren't really funny enough. Uh, like, it was building to payoffs that I don't really think happened, like with uh, Terrence especially, and uh, and uh, with Matilda, for that matter. Um, 
But nothing against the movie being successful, and if they're going to try and make more movies out of this, it's not like like uh, someone made a point in another report to say, oh, oh, this movie being number one shits on the Marvel movie fandom because a movie I hate did well. I'm not upset at that at all, and, and I have no idea why this movie, like barely beating Captain America at the box office, which is already made over a billion dollars worldwide, like it's on the Marvel fandom. But whatever. Looking forward to the rest of the show, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Can of sardines. Well, that makes more sense than a bar of soap. So, you know, again, good correction. I appreciate Jeff uh, telling us that. Um, look, let, let's cut right to the chase before we get into anything. Uh, this is not a movie for adults, though they went out of their way to put sex jokes in it for some odd reason. Um, but they they did their they did their best effort I guess to try to make what is clearly a movie for kids uh, also palatable for adults and look I, I'm not I, I'm not hoity-toity you know I am there's a woman who uh, I think she's on um, Collider oh, God. she was just on the most recent episode of Movie Fights and she and one of the questions was what movie you know, makes you angry that, you know, that, that it's out or whatever. And she went on a rant about minions and I, and I, and I said, look, if it makes money and more importantly, if it makes people happy, then it can't be that bad. Cheryl Crow said that and I believe it. So my point is I was in a full theater and I heard kids laughing. I heard adults laughing. There was a guy next to me who was there with his kids and he was straight up guffawing, you know, throughout the movie thought the piss lake scene was hysterical. <laughs> Just thought it was the funniest thing ever. Um, you know, a, a good time was had by all. And I think if a movie brings, you know, happiness to people, even one as stupid as this one, then all you've got left really is to, you know, is to measure it by, uh, by its craft quality. And, you know, it looked good. The plot followed. There was, I thought there was adequate use of the game mechanics and uh, characters in the game, in the plot. There's not a whole lot to pick at unless you're one of these people who says, um, you know, this is like Minions and it's unnecessary and it makes me angry and it lowers the bar. And to those people, I say, you know, let people be happy and let them watch shit if it's shit, shit makes them happy. Uh, look, I've talked on this show and a few others more than once about this same topic to a degree, and I'm going to bring it up again here. There are two things in life that, to one degree or another, are somewhat above critique for a variety of reasons. Now, not in the objective sense, but in the individual sense. Your taste in music and your taste in comedy. These two things are so unique to each person that they, I mean, if I stand up here and I say, first of all, as I do, I don't find Kevin Hart funny at all. Anything. Ever. Never have. Not his stand-up, not his movies, none of it. There are millions of people who disagree with me. Now, I'm not saying Kevin Hart is terrible. I'm not criticizing his material. I don't find him funny. 
if you do and I don't, that's fine. We can, you know, shake hands and agree to disagree on this. Music is the same way. There are people out there who like music that makes my ears bleed. But it's there, it speaks to them for whatever reason. And I'm sure some of the music that I like, and I know some of the music that Mark likes, makes other people's ears bleed. And we can all just shake hands and agree to disagree. Now, when it com- and the reason I bring that up is that two things. One, I'm setting a, I am setting a bit of a line here for a little bit later when we have to review the Ghostbusters movie. And I, and I am going to, I'll say this now and I'll say it at the start of that. If you laughed at that movie, God bless you. <laughs> I am not going to, however. Wait, one sec. I've laughed at both commercials. Fucking sue me. I don't care. <laughs> I'm sorry. Patty hitting, uh, the black character hitting uh, Michelle, what's her face? Um, what is the actress's name? Melissa McCarthy. That's the one. Her punching Melissa McCarthy and saying the power of Patty compels you cracked me up as did the as did the uh, the hackney bit where she uh, jumps and she she tries to crowd surf and they all drop her. Sorry, laughed both times. I'm an idiot. What can I tell you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My point being that when we get to reviewing that movie, I'm going to do my best not to use the fact that I'm not going to laugh at anything as a negative necessarily, unless, and here's my big caveat here, if I, if there is a preponderance of evidence suggesting that no one finds it funny, I will criticize the humor. If it's split 50-50, then I'm not going to, by and large, unless I think it is beyond stupid. And bear in mind, there, there is a place beyond stupid for stupid humor, and that I do criticize. Its existence, I find, ugh, not good. But barring <laughs> that, you know, I'm not going to use, I didn't laugh at it as a form of criticism for Ghostbusters. I chuckled a couple of times at this movie. I'm not going to criticize it for being unfunny. Other people enjoyed it. Other people in the theater I was with enjoyed it. Mark enjoyed it. The man sitting next to Mark clearly enjoyed it. His daughter enjoyed it. I'm okay acknowledging that the comp- that the comedic sensibilities for this movie miss me 90% of the time. That's not a mark against the movie as, it's, you know, as itself. It's just not. It, I'm not the target demographic by any measure of... Yeah, but by any measurement, really. Now, that being said, uh, the jokes in this are generally very stupid. And that's okay. This is a kid's movie. They're supposed to be stupid. Again, fireballs from the butt. Uh, it's Favorite part of the movie. It's That is, again, supremely stupid, but... Uh, engaging to children. Uh, I can tell you the the two parts, uh, the things that I found the most enjoyment from, and I'm not sure I actually laughed out loud, but uh, first of all, the Wiz Lake. Not because it's funny in and of itself. Uh, It's not terribly. 
but the fact that for this protracted and prolonged reaction from the characters, because two of them go swimming in this lake of wisdom, and they drink from the lake, and they gargle, and they do... Again, they're in the lake for a while, then the mighty eagle comes out and starts peeing in it. And for about two minutes, as they react to this realization... (laughs) The eagle is still peeing in the lake. <laughs> and this is one of the longest leaks in cinematic history. If you, if you ever remember, hear the um, They're All Gonna Laugh at You comedy album from Adam Sandler, think the, think, think the pee skit uh, where he's in the bathroom and it just goes on forever. It's about, it's about like that. Yeah, and it, that that's one that just kind of got funnier as time went on, as you keep realizing that, no, the eagle's still peeing in the lake and ignoring these three other birds. There were a couple of visual gags, uh, kind of in the background, that made me chuckle. Uh, on the pig's boat is Fifty Shades of Green, because all the pigs are green, you see. And the movie, and, and the movie poster for Kevin Bacon in Hamlet, uh, I got a chuckle out of. <laughs> one of the one of the subordinates being John Hamm. Uh, I, I was the only guy in the theater that got that one, by the way. I think, but no, I chuckled at that one. So uh, there's a few gags here and there, but uh, as far as critiquing the craft of the movie, I'll agree with Jeff that there's a few setups that don't have adequate payoffs. Uh, necessarily what because I let me um let me quick do throw my lot out here and then I want to hear what you thought didn't have a payoff uh okay. like I said I didn't find a whole lot structurally wrong with the movie I thought they took time to set up what this world was who these people were in it um you got to know you know the, the first third of the movie is you getting to know Red and what his plight is um he's actually probably my only quibble with the movie is he's not the most likable of heroes. In other words, he's, he's kind of a, a downer. Um, and yes, I understand that he's the one, you know, he'll be the one later on who will save, who will save the birds. But I feel like they, they could have gotten there a different way without making him, it was negative on top of being negative on top of being negative. There's no reason to cheer for this character or want him to be successful. He's just a jerk. Um, and he doesn't really have an arc as such, uh, so much the fact that he is compelled to save the babies of his civilization because while he's a jerk, he's not a monster. Um, so not a terribly, uh, a, a terribly likable character that we can cheer for. Um, and, you know, and by, so by the end of it, he sort of rises to hero, but I don't know if he changes internally at all. He uh, changes a little bit, but it's not a it's not a sweeping change. No, and so I don't fi- I don't find that to be a compelling protagonist. Um, so I thought I thought the protagonist wasn't written as good as it could be for this kind of a movie. Um, someone struggling with their anger would have been, I think, more compelling as opposed to, oh, I'm angry. I have the right to be angry. You people are a bunch of jerks and morons. This was almost like, you know, he was almost an emo character um, who, 
at the end of it, well, I'm still emo, but I still, you know, but now I've got some friends. <laughs> like, all right. Uh, well, but aside from that, uh, getting to getting a sense of the world that they're living in and why it is the way that it is, I thought was done adequately enough. Um, I thought the pigs themselves were were interesting, and I thought, you know. We're, we're going. I, thought, I actually thought it was very, very modern, very meta in the sense that look, there's a whole lot of sizzle going on here, a, little, a whole lot of showmanship. But you know, <laughs> you have what you have Red asking, but what? Are, why are they here? What's the purpose yeah, of the all this? Present, the, the pig's arrival and presentation to the Bird Island is almost a joke on the movie itself. Hey, look over yeah. here. Yeah. Okay, but why? No, no, just look over here. Right. Look at my silly yeah, band. Oh, he got a trampoline. Well, okay, but <laughs> you, you lied about how many of you lied about how many people were coming over. Trampoline. Now <laughs> your movie lacks fund. Your movie is no. You're not developing these characters apart from Red. And no, look, trampoline. There's more pigs. <laughs> oh look, fireballs out of the butt. Um. So, uh, that I thought was okay. Again. I think that's my big criticism. Everything works, but could have been better. Um, so you have the pigs uh, presentation there. Um, and then, you know, you, you get to this moment of we've been had and what are we going to do about it? And he says, we're going to get, a- you know, <laughs> we're going to get angry. We're going to get them back. You know, and we're like, ah, suddenly we're a warrior culture. I was perfectly okay with all of that because, and and, and when we do the, um, the bit later on in the show where we talk about the reviewers, somebody questioned why they all got angry at the end. What was the reason? And I'm like, really? This is the plot. Let me say this. This is the plot from Taken for Christ's sakes. The birds essentially got up and said, I don't know who you are or what you've done, but when I find you, I'm going to kill you because they took their children. What was so hard to understand about that? I, you know, take my kid. It's fine. It's fine. I'll make another one. It's fine. Why would you say such a thing? But um, well, apparently, if you're Josh Gad, who is just terrible, <laughs> yeah, who keeps firing uh, I, this guy? Because stop. People think he's funny. Um, I don't so care. He, he might be a funny stand-up. I don't know. I've never seen any of his stand-up. Stop putting him in movies. He was great as Olaf. Can I finish? Can I finish? Um. So, other than things were okay, could have been could have been developed better. I thought things. I thought essentially it all worked. It was all narratively cohesive. Um, I thought everything was pretty well explained. I know I wasn't left. There weren't any questions. And and I also you know hey it had a stronger finish than Captain America. At least it doesn't fall apart at the very end. So I'm not entirely sure what you think doesn't work here. My only my only major criticism of the movie, and this is my own particular picadillo, take it or leave it. Um, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna talk about it by not talking about it for a second and actually bring up the WWE. I recently uh, we were watching the latest uh, Extreme Rules um, monthly. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, <laughs> And you know, I had my kids go to bed between eight and nine, um, usually right at eight o'clock. But I let them stay up a little longer to watch some of the wrestling before I finally put them to bed. And the WWE uh, 
has a, has like a like a quick commercial now where they have two insects having sex. And my daughter, who's five, happened to ask, what are those two bugs doing? And my wife goes, without missing a beat, she goes, they're hugging. And my daughter turns to her and says, no, people don't hug that way. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not having this conversation with her. And I, and I tried to re-explain it a different way. And my wife was like, we really could have just left it as they were hugging. And I think my answer to that was, yeah, and she didn't believe you. So I was trying to come up with something that was believable. Um, but, but that's the thing. You don't really want to be having to explain sex in any context to a young audience. Um, it just wasn't the place for it. And there were a lot of sex jokes in this movie. Like, a lot of sex jokes. Um, I'm going to have to ask you to elaborate a little bit there, because I only picked up on, I think, two. They were maybe not jokes so much as innuendo, you know, assless chaps being torn off or or whatever, or being revealed. You had the the bird going, all you birds tonight get busy to replace the eggs. Yeah, that one I picked up on. The rest of it, I was just, the rest of it, I'll just, my perspective, it was an attempt at raunchy humor, but since it's all animated and they're pigs, no one cares that their ass is hanging out. I, I, I think maybe that's what I'm, more of what I'm keying into is maybe not so much jokes as there was a lot of um, stuff on screen that looked sexual. And I, why, you know, I, I'm not going to go into a whole thing of what, you know, what you should or should not uh, let your kids watch. <laughs> My fucking daughter actually, uh, Caught you know caught a few minutes of Orange Is the New Black against my will essentially so you know we all screw up as parents but I just I, I don't know if I necessarily would have been so eager to bring her uh, to this had I known that was going to be a big feature of this movie was you know gyrating pigs <laughs> so, I don't know. And apparently, um, one that I one that I had forgotten was uh, ever try bird control. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. So, while I'm not going to sit here and write an angry letter to Sony about it, I am going to say, eh, if you know your there, are, if you know your Pixar does a really good job of speaking to adults and kids simultaneously without being raunchy or sexy or anything else. Maybe take a page out of Pixar's book. All I'm saying to the people, to the good people at Sony who put this movie out. Now, what doesn't work for you? Besides all of it. (laughs) You know, I'm actually not going to criticize too much about this movie. Uh, Here's why. This is a movie that, First of all, everyone out there should absolutely know what they're getting into if you're going to see it. There's no misdirection. The trailers aren't <laughs> misleading. The name of the movie is not misleading. We don't there there's no room for error when it comes to this movie delivering on its promise of the angry birds fighting the pigs. Because we get that. This movie was never going to be good. Let's all not kid ourselves about that. That being said... Well, define good. 
when you when you that's say good, you mean. That's kind of my point here. Like, there is, is this a good movie in the sense that it's you know thought provoking, engaging? Yes. No, this is not. It's not thought provoking. It's not engaging. There's honestly, I don't remember the vast majority of this movie. I'm forcing myself to recall pieces of it for the purposes of review. Tomorrow, I'm going to forget all of it. Very deliberately. There's nothing here of substance. There's nothing here that is anything beyond, hey, look at the moonwalking bear. <laughs> I mean, that's the sum. To- this is a bunch of sight gags with a minimal plot. And the question you really have to ask yourself is, at the end of the day, were you entertained or did you feel ripped off? I actually fall somewhere in the middle. I wasn't terribly entertained, but I absolutely knew what I was getting into. Uh, as for setups and payoffs, um, Terrence is a little bit awkward in the sense that he exists and he's huge and he only serves to break the slingshot. I mean, I think that's all he accomplishes. He drives a car. He hooks up with the white chick, Megan. Uh, but that's about it. Can I speak to that for one second? I thought that was a terribly missed opportunity. Like, I understand they needed to break the slingshot in order to get to the next part of the, the movie. But maybe a different way of breaking the uh, the slingshot... You know, or I was maybe waiting the, the for the Wiley Coyote gag. <laughs> I mean, okay. For those of you who haven't, well, here's what I wanted. For those of you who haven't seen it, the slingshot they're using to launch themselves into the pigs breaks when Terrence gets in the slingshot and starts walking it backwards. He's stretching the band, and he's going to launch himself, and he's the big bruiser. And as he's pulling back, the slingshot breaks. I really wanted him to let go of the rubber band, have the slingshot, you know, connect to him and just be unable to move his bulk. <laughs> and, See, then I, have I the, and then have the wooden part break. Here's, here's what I was trying to say. I feel like there was a missed opportunity to show what he could do like he does in the game, um, which really, you know, other than wanting to take your children to a fun movie, it is one of the joys of watching this. I'm going to use the term joy lightly, um, but it's it's fun to see the characters um, that you see in the game acted out in a, in a movie. And so it would have been fun to see what uh, Terrence could have done. I think there was uh, there was a there was some fun visual destruction that could have been had with him. They could have done like a mushroom cloud or something. You know, there was some fun to be had with with, with the big fat bird character. And instead, he just breaks the slingshot because they needed a plot device to move things forward. And I think a better written movie has an opportunity where. They throw, you know, Terrence at the building. Something fun happens there, and then somebody else breaks the slingshot, or the, you know, or the thing falls apart, or, you know, the pigs who have all of this technology should have retaliated in some way. You know, they lost the planes at them, but I don't know if the planes even do any damage. You know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe no, one of they the plungers. I mean, come on. <laughs> maybe one of the one of the planes, you know, hits the cliff. And the cliff is what causes the, because uh, it's right at the edge. 
and the cliff is what causes causes it, you know, falls down, and uh, and down goes the slingshot, just off the top of my head. But yeah, missed opportunity there. Uh, the only really weirdly, like the only character who has anything approaching an arc is Red, unless you count the society in general learning that oh, the world's not fluffy and full of kittens and rainbows. <laughs> and for the record, I don't. Uh, I mean, Chuck, for example, is the same from start to finish. And is, if you guys ever want to know why I'm not a huge fan of gags like The Flash, as a, and he's a character that's different, I understand, but you know, the, the speedsters, go ahead and watch this and watch Chuck speed around and just understand that I've had it with all of them. <laughs> okay. Oh, I can't wait till we talk about Apocalypse then next week. Eh, uh, I uh, when I say all of them, I mean specifically, and that'll have Quicksilver, and I'm really just kind of hoping he dies. I don't care for Quicksilver as a character, incidentally. Okay. I mean, he was funny enough in Days of Future Past, but I mean beyond that. Anything else didn't work for you? Uh, this movie felt padded to me. And I'm not sure if you feel the same way or not. Not at all. Okay, I mean, but, their whole but, their search for Mighty Eagle, for example, just seems like it's there to eat up time. They even have the one gag where they climb to the top of the mountain and, oh, it's the wrong mountain. <laughs> okay. And um, I don't know. I, well, um, and the last thing I want to mention about things that I felt didn't pay off necessarily, you mentioned Red and how he doesn't have much, uh, you know, the same type of arc you necessarily want from your protagonist. And I agree with that. You set this guy up as not only an outsider, but a fundamentally lonely character. And I was, and I mean, this is going to sound really weird, but I felt he needed a love interest to some degree. Because I mean, there's a whole, there's you know whole a big part of his loneliness comes from the fact that everyone else is paired up, everyone else has kids, everyone else has a companion, and here's Red living out on the beach by himself. I really felt he needed a love interest of some kind. Uh, he, even give Red a Wait, come on, man, you're stepping all over the joke. Hashtag give Red a boyfriend, eh? I thought we already established that as he represents conservative values, that's unlikely to be accurate. He's a he, he's a Lincoln. Um, what are they called again? Lincoln conservative. Lincoln, I'm unsure. Uh, log, bit... log He's a log cabin Republican. Uh, I'm unsure what you're what bit you're referencing, but okay. No, log, no, that's not a bit. Log, this whole thing is a bit, but. No, a log cabin Republican or gay Republicans. You never heard that before? No. No, that's a real thing. And that's, that's not allowed. a bit. That's not, that's, that's not even like a criticism. A, a, and there are oh, actual... Oh, wait, no, that is a bit. It's a bit. No, it's it isn't. American log... dad. Okay, but log cabin Republicans are a real thing. They just use that. I know the American dad uh, thing you're, you're talking about. But yes, I, I. But no, there are there. Are, I'm going to send you the link to the log cabin Republicans and sign you up. I'd really rather you didn't. It's already happening. 
Oh, the <laughs> horror. As long as their mascot anyway. is the pink elephant from The Simpsons, I'm okay with it. So, yes, I think we, sh- I think we should go on Twitter, because this is what you do these days, you know, uh, Twitter politics, right? Um, I think we should do hashtag give Red a boyfriend. Hashtag Red is a log cabin Republican. What do you think? I, uh, you know what? You're a liberal, so okay. I, I don't care. <laughs> God damn it. You ascribe entirely too much value to Twitter. <laughs> okay. I'm sending you the link, by the way, to logcabin.org. If you feel so inclined. There you go. Have fun with that. I just really feel compelled to tell you I'm not even going to click on the link. <laughs> You're no fun. All right, so aside from the fact that no, you want to No, if I clicked give... on the link, I would end the bid. Instead, I gave you a chance to respond to me no-selling it. You just got to learn how to play off of a straight man. And yes, I just insulted every single one of your friends. <laughs> Not only that, but um, no. Uh, so okay. So you want to give Red a boyfriend? Got it. Go on. I want to give Red a love interest, not a boyfriend. You want Captain America and Red to date? We got it. Go on. No, I really. I don't think the world could handle commingling. I mean, there's just no <laughs> basis for the crossover. If someone out there is listening to this, please send fanfic art of Captain America and Red together and post it all over Twitter. Uh, sure, if anyone listening to this feels compelled to follow Mark's wishes, by all means, draw to your heart's content. I'm just saying I don't think, I, I don't think there's enough of an overlap between the audiences and I don't think there's enough material there to write a compelling story about Red and Captain America and any kind of crossover. And lo, there was much fanfic. All right, let's move this on. All right. uh, To sum up, before we get into my favorite part of this review, by favorite, I mean my doctor loves it because he gets to bill me. (laughs) Uh... This movie is again there are some flaws and some with the writing there are a few missed opportunities but there's no glaring weaknesses necessarily. The animation is fine. It all looks pretty good. The colors are bright. Uh the rendering is better than any Madagascar movie just by way of example. Uh it has no substance. It has no true style. There's not a whole lot here, but if you need to kill 90 minutes with a kid, you could do a lot worse. One of the conversation pieces I've heard bandied about is um, the fact that video game movies are not particularly successful uh, financially or in quality. And I would say that uh, this one actually succeeded at both. This was the first time, one of the first, not first, but this is one of the few times they've successfully adapted a video game to the screen, and uh, well, th- th- it was successful. Oddly enough. Well, it was. Yeah, I suppose you could call this one successful. I mean, I, I tend to think there are a grand total of like three decent adaptations of video games out there. And even then, the ones that I tend to think are decent, I get yelled at. 
Because well, uh, no, we, they're different from the source material. We got Assassin's Creed coming later this year. Um, the the good people over at Rotten Tomatoes said that we were getting two more. I only thought that we were getting one this year. And that was Assassin. Oh, that's right, Warcraft. Uh, I'm a dope. Yeah, okay. I uh, I really kind of expect that one to fail. There's already movie reviews out. I haven't clicked the link yet, but apparently it's, the movie's been screened already. All right, let's move on to the next part of our podcast. Here we go. Here Hang on. I'm... Here we Stop go. That. Money talk. Here comes the money. Oh, money. All right. Yeah, this thing was number one at the box office. It has made, what, 70 million, 80 million worldwide? No, it's up to like 150. 155 million worldwide. It did 43 43 in the U.S. of A. It was 111 uh, foreign, so we're at 150. And it won the weekend. It beat Captain America. Yeah, by a relatively small margin, all things considered. And if you want to, if this movie should be studied for anything, it has nothing to do with the craft and the art of filmmaking and everything to do with appropriate marketing and timing of your release. By the way, and I, and I want to crow about this. I feel like I should get my due because whenever I say something and it comes true, uh, I don't get the proper recognition that I believe I deserve. Guess what movie was trailed, but uh, was trailed before the Angry Birds? A movie full of children. I'm not going to guess. guess. No. You're just going to make me tell you. Well, there were four or five trailers, all of which were aimed at children. Unless you're trying, unless you think there's a group of people out there who believe that Alice Through the Looking Glass was not going to be a kids' movie. Nope, I'm talking about a movie destined, like Alberto Del Rio was destined to be world champion. This is destined to make over a billion dollars. It's going to be the number one movie of 2016, bigger than Rogue One, bigger than Captain America. Certainly bigger than Batman v Superman, bigger than Deadpool, Ghostbusters. I said, if they market this movie to children and not just angry adults who were alive during the first incarnation of this nonsense, then God damn it, this movie's gonna make a mint because kids, kids love good vomit jokes. You see, <laughs> they they love bright and colorful ghosts. They love vomit. They they love Potty humor. Uh, they don't care that they're all women. Kids will love Ghostbusters, and if they aim the marketing at kids, as I've been saying for months now, then this movie—it won't matter that it's the most downvoted uh, trailer of all time by a bunch of angry nerds in their forties, because kids will go see this movie, and kids don't go by themselves. They bring their parents. This, parents, my friend. Hang on. Parents, do not go see this movie with your kids. If don't your child him, insists on seeing this, if your child insists, dump them in the theater. You wait outside You wait outside in your car. Don't go see this. Just do no, not. Parents, what if your children have questions? What if they have questions about what's going on in the movie? Why Don't is the angry black woman making sexual jokes at Melissa McCarthy? 
No one's attracted to <laughs> Melissa McCarthy. Please explain this to me, Mommy. That's a good example. Anyway, the Ghostbusters trailer uh, was included amongst the other children's movies that were being uh, viewed, that were being trailed for uh, for Angry Birds. Oh, and Mark, you so, want to know why you don't get credit? Because you all hate me. Because you have not yet paid up on your bet that uh, about Gambit not being made. Because that wasn't the bet. Oh, I'm not doing this right now with you. But that wasn't the bet, and you damn well know it. The bet was that it would lose money. You, know, you bet specifically about how much money it would make. It has made no money, and it has cost the studio. It, it, that movie is a financial loss at this point in time, and will be by the yeah. end of the year. Consequently, you have to pay up. You can't hold me to a bet if they didn't make the movie, was my point. They tried to make the movie. They spent money on the movie. Then the bet's null and void. No, that's not how that works. If this thing had never (laughs) gone into production, if this had never gone into production, I would agree with you. I I will mail you a dollar. If you give me credit for being correct that 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 they're marketing Ghostbusters towards children, like I said they should... And that's how they're going to make their money. I will mail you a dollar. You owe me more than a dollar. <laughs> I don't remember how much they bet. I know I didn't bet my kids this time. Um, no, that would have been a stupid bet because Gambit's never getting made. Can we get back to the Angry Birds, please? Yeah, if you feel so inclined. <laughs> Angry Birds is currently sitting at uh, 14 for the year. Um, it's it's sitting uh, solidly behind. Uh, what is it? If Man or IP? If It Man. It Man. It Man three at thirteen and Gods of Egypt at uh, fifteen. Its budget was uh, something like seventy three million. Yeah, seventy three million dollar uh, production budget. Don't know how much the ad the advert budget was, but at one hundred and fifty five, Sony's happy. They're the number one movie of the weekend. They they've made twice uh, twice their bud their production budget. Um, nobody at Sony's unhappy about this. Um, no, it's not quite doing minions money, um, and it won't. But I, and, yeah, it probably won't, especially with with, a, with 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 two heavy hitters coming out this weekend with Apocalypse and Alice of the Looking Glass. Um, look, Sony's happy. Sony has not exactly had a tremendous. Uh, catalog of huge money makers over the past couple of years. So I'm sure they're perfectly happy with, with this one. And uh, I guarantee you we will be getting Angry Birds movies in the future. The only person unhappy about this is Ryan Reynolds, because now his statue at the Sony, studio, the Sony Studios is going to have to include him standing on the Angry Birds. <laughs> Except that Deadpool is Fox. What are we talking about here? Now, wasn't Deadpool a Sony movie? No, sir. Fox. 20th Century Fox. Fox, okay. Movie. My mistake. Yeah, Sony's very happy about this. And they will probably try an Angry Birds 2, and that will fail miserably. <laughs> okay. Look, the ga- you cashed in on the gag. Good. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you made a movie that isn't, you know, objectively terrible. I'm glad people enjoyed it. There's no material here for a sequel that's going to have anything approaching legs or the same kind of appeal. Just take your money, be happy, move on. And that's not going to happen, but I'm, in, I'm imploring everyone. So there's a sequel video game. 
Sure, because you can do a sequel video game. You add a few new details, you alter the graphics, and bam, new game. I think in this one, the uh, I think if I write Angry Birds 2, I would write that they start to build ships, that they ele- they start electing officials that are um, that are uh, hawkish, and they say we will no longer uh, be victimized by random visitors who take our resources, our children, and they start to build armaments. Um, that the, that's what that you're saying they're, is they're going to build a wall around the island. <laughs> a wall, sure, but I was more thinking that their paradise is upended because they start to take the resources that they have and, and instead of putting it towards feeding everybody and creating paradise, they start to create the war machine. Um, not, not, not Don Cheadle, but they, they, they create tanks, they create a Navy, they create a SAM missile battery. Um, and so they, where uh, this and movie they, is slightly pro-conservative, you want to make one that is very pro-liberal. Um... Maybe. I'm just thinking that would be the next step for the civilization, wouldn't it? To, you know, they had paradise. They lost paradise. Their innocence is gone. So the pendulum would swing the other way, and they would elect officials that are very hawkish and want to create the war machine, and then they would send the war machine out to conquer other people. And wouldn't it be an interesting turn on its head to see the angry birds start conquering other civilizations? Mark, you, are, you have now again applied entirely too much thought to this. You just put more thought into a sequel than they did into this movie. I hope you understand I, that. I may have to write Sony a letter <laughs> saying I've got your script for Angry Birds 2 and head out and head out there with my pitch. If I go out to Los Angeles with my pitch, I want to get on, I want to make sure uh, I let the good people over at Movie Fights know so that I can get at the very least get on their couch, um, their fan couch. But I want to actually participate in the show. Yeah, if you do that, you're going to have to do the Daffy Duck bit. Which one? Oh, it's the one so you I have to kill it. yourself to sell a script around here. <laughs> oh, God. If I only I could. And then the dam broke. Yeah, right, and the cavalry to... arrived, but it was too late. <laughs> uh, you want me to hit the button? I'll do it in a second. I want to try a setup for this. Mark, what time of the show is it? What are we going to do next? Uh, it's what did the reviewers say on Rotten Tomatoes time? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 (laughs) All right. Uh, That worked out okay. We're experimenting with uh, different sound bits to set up this particular segment. So uh, if you follow Mark, hit him up with suggestions. I have one that I refuse to give him because I know he'll do it. And I just I couldn't live with it. I just couldn't. <laughs> I really want to know what it is now. I'm not telling you. You will do it, and I will have to fly to Florida and hit you. Okay. Uh, all right. So let me pull up. All, now I'm going to put up all critics here because because some of the best stuff that we got here was both fresh and rotten. Um. So this is uh, Janet Smith of Georgia Strait. Sarcastically, subversively funny, and all set within a surprisingly creative universe where three-dimensional fluffy birds 
and have a turquoise beaches and wonky houses that make you think of Dr. Zeus by way of Montego Bay. Wow. You, okay. This is an example of a critic overthinking things. You remember when I joked at the beginning of this about red being the conservatives and this liberal paradise, this is someone who probably had that same thought, but ascribed that intent to the author and director and then found it amusing on that level. That this is not a sarcastically funny film. <laughs> this one is Catherine Monk of Xpress.com. It feels like something Dolly, D-A-L-I, which by the way, Dolly has a museum here in Tampa if you're ever in town and want to do something cultural, check out our Dolly Museum in St. Petersburg. It feels like something Dolly would have dreamed up after imbibing a bottle of absinthe and choking on a ham sandwich. <laughs> um... No, Dolly actually had a really great touch. Uh, None of the visuals in this thing compare with even the least of his works. Okay. So far, those are two fresh reviews, by the way. Uh, Matt Bobkin of National Post. This is a rotten review. While Pixar's masterfulness is found in the subtlety of their approach, the Angry Birds movie goes for broke in a more visceral approach packing in pop culture references bound to go over any child's head, no matter how precocious. Let me address that really quick. Uh, one of my complaints about the Madagascar trilogy was it just seemed like it was one pop culture reference after another, especially the first one. I, I referred to it as reference the movie. Um, this one actually had a cohesive story and the, the jokes didn't feel like they took away from the story. I felt like they were more integrated into what the story was. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe you feel differently, but I didn't think this was nearly as bad as Madagascar with that, with, with that concerned. Well, Madagascar is the absolute basement rock bottom. Cannot possibly get worse. I, had, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so unplugged from popular culture as a general rule that the pop culture references this person was seeing went over my head, which is entirely possible because I generally find pop culture to be useless. Um, I always like to read you the folks from Salt Lake City in case you ever want to drive over there and beat somebody over the head. This is Josh Terry at Deseret News, Salt Lake City. The plot is pretty simple. The real question is, can it entertain the kids? And the answer depends on how receptive your children are to gyrating dance sequences set to covers of old pop standards. I seem to recall that's basically what you said. So I'll <laughs> agree with that. Okay. Um, let's see here. Moving right along. Kate Taylor of Globe and Mail dot com of Globe and Mail top critic. Both children and adults will delight in the way the destruction of the pigs island amplifies the joys of the original game. The effect is an amusing reversal of cultural recognition as the role of the icons expands through reproduction. She gave it three out of four stars, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Let's start with the word delight, which I'm going to take serious umbrage with. This movie is superficially entertaining for the majority of its duration. There is no delight. There is no joy. There is no lasting imprint that this movie will leave. It is designed not to do so. 
fundamental to the construction of this film is that it be amusing as it happens and then forgotten once you exit the theater. There's no delight to be had. Uh, Peter Canavis at Groucho Reviews. Even though anger is not always the answer, quote-unquote, sometimes it has to be, or there's no movie. And here's where the Angry Birds movie will divide audiences. Really? You think some (laughs) kind of subtextual message about anger is going to divide the audience here, as opposed to, boy, that was stupid, or yay, fireballs from the rear. <laughs> I gotta. There's a couple of these I gotta read. They're so short. It doesn't. I, if you stop to address each one of them, this is gonna go on forever. Um, you read them all. But, I'm just gonna bang my head against the wall. Well, not yet. I gotta read this one first, just because this this falls into our hoity-toity uh, ca- our hoity-toity uh, catalog here. But Peter Hartlob of the San Francisco Chronicle, top critic. Oh, no, no the one game... from San Francisco could possibly be pretentious. <laughs> the game Angry Birds, at its core, is a destination for switching off your brain. In movies, even throwaway summer animated kid films should aim for something more. That, that comes straight out of the what movies make you angry conversation. All right, real briefly as far as that goes. I don't subscribe to the this movie is good if you turn off your brain mentality. It's it, it's stupid. That's a stupid subset of oh this is good if. No. No, paint drying is entertaining if you've been hit in the head enough times. I refuse to allow qualifications like that as justification for stupidity. That being said, there's a world of difference between movies that you must, again, quote-unquote, turn your brain off for, and movies that are intended to be superficial and stupid. There's a substantial difference. Money Monster only works if you're an idiot. Hey! This works provided you understand that children are entertained by flashing lights and shiny objects. It doesn't make it good. I'm not calling this a good movie. But saying that it's of the same ilk as your average Michael Bay film where he's going, he's sitting there crossing his fingers while counting his money going, please, 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 nobody actually think about this. There's a substantial difference. What you, what this critic has done is lump what is intended to be stupid into the category of the banal or the inane. And they are not the same thing. All right, I'm going to read you four in a I row. I apologize if you took offense to that, Mark. I didn't. I didn't necessarily mean that to be a shot at you. Fine. All night have you been beating on me. I, I, you know, you are you are comfortably in the mount position, beating me about the head. It's fine. It's fine. So um, I'm Jacare and your Vitor. Got it. Yep. Um, all right, so this is Glenn. No, Penny, wait, you're New from York. Long Island. This works better if I'm Rockhold and you're Weidman. It also works better if you let me finish reading, fucko. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, Glenn Kenny of the New York Times, Tom Russo of the Boston Globe, Lou Lemonick of the New York Post, and Ed Whitfield of the Outre. Three out of those four are top critics. I'll let you figure out which three out of the four it is. 
the kids today deserve better. So do I, come to think of it. Game over. Parents of five-year-olds, you have been warned. And ticket-buying adults shouldn't just be angry. They should punch the filmmakers. Those really don't uh, need addressing. I think they're amusing. The only one I'm going to address, because I think it's accurate, is that children wishing to be entertained by movies deserve uh, better. Now, on the one hand, that's true. Again, this is a nothing story. Unless you're like me and enjoy being facetious and ascribing entirely too much meaning to things. I thought I did a hell of a plot synopsis. Okay, like you and I, then. The two of us. <laughs> we, we think too much about this stuff. And we have fun with it. If you're a nine-year-old looking to be entertained... You do deserve a higher quality of picture than one whose crowning achievement is pyrotechnics resulting from the anus. <laughs> I will agree with that. Kindly continue to support Pixar, ladies and gentlemen. They make good movies. Mark uh, Dunstick of Mark Reviews Movies. The moral of Angry Birds is that it's fine, even necessary and virtuous, to be angry, to rage, and to destroy. Have fun explaining that one to the kids. Gonna tell you, okay. I have a five-year-old. Didn't get that from the movie. Two things. A, Mark is completely correct. He, ha- he lives with part of the target audience. B, I hate this trend we have in society that ignores the legitimacy of righteous anger. Let me be perfectly clear. Being angry all the time is not healthy. I learned that the hard way. There are instances when anger is the appropriate response. Your entire culture's children being kidnapped by a group of invaders who plan to eat them. I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, you should be a little bit pissed off. I was going to say, why is it we're okay when, that's, when the very same plot... If you break it down to its um, least common denominator, is the same plot to take in, and we're okay with that. That became a meme, and it produced two other movies. So we're okay with taken, but we're not okay with the same exact plot in Angry Birds. Yeah, again, there are things in this world, because it's a terrible world, that you, me, and everybody else has a right to be angry about and should be angry about. Those things exist. I actually like the fact that Red's anger is initially portrayed as a hindrance because, I mean, look, if you're in the service industry, like delivering a cake and a clown, and the guy who you're delivering it to is a jerk, Slamming the cake in his face and engaging in a brawl is not an appropriate response. (laughs) Deciding that a civilization that wants to eat you needs to be stopped. Yeah, that's a good response to that. That's a healthy response. Uh, The fact that this entire society was so anemic that they just let these pigs walk all over them and steal their eggs is more an indictment of our all-inclusive, everybody's happy mentality than it is necessarily in support of Red, who wants to punch everything. I don't think any kid walked out of that movie with the idea that it's okay to destroy 
uh, at random. I'm pretty sure everyone Incident, got it. Yeah, along with that, any parents out there, because I don't have kids. I'm single. I know that's not a disqualifier for a lot of you, but I'm LDS, and I take that seriously. I have no children. I, my, I'm the oldest of four brothers, the two youngest of which are, again, like 14 and 15 years younger than me. Wait, did you just say you drop acid? No. Where did you get that? You said you were LSD. LDS. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go on. Yeah, I, I'm... Uh, other people, people who know me, I may have brought this up in the past. I'll bring it up in, uh, since this might come up in the future. I don't refer to myself as a Mormon because I've come to somewhat dislike that colloquialism. I thought you were going to tell us more about your dropping acid. No, I don't partake in any kind of illicit or illegal drugs. You should, man. You should relax and smoke See bowl. previous discussion about my religion. <laughs> Go on. Just, just tickling your nipple there, Winfrey. Go on. It's all I can do while you're mounting and punching me in the face. Uh, again, so again, I don't refer to myself as a Mormon nine times out of ten. Uh, it, I just, because it leads to misconceptions and, it, it, again, this is one of those things that I am against ignorance. Whenever I do fight coverage, I do my darndest to refer to fighters by their actual given last names, not their nicknames. Uh, I'm one of, uh, Mark, do you know Henan Barrow's real last name? It's not Barrow. It's not Barrow. Uh, is it Schmagegi? No, but that's somewhat my point. I am, I am anti-ignorance. And I am not a member of the Mormon Church. That's not what the church is called. It's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, LDS being the initialization of Latter-day Saints. And I, it, it just leads to all kinds of misinformation or just ignorance about elements of the church. And I'm just, I've really kind of had it with casual ignorance in general. So that's my point there. Uh, anyway. All right. Um, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Jody Mittori. Oh, wait, wait, I remember my point. Oh, if good. any of you are parents and have children in the appropriate age range, contact Mark on Twitter. Let him know if any of your kids came away thinking it's okay to randomly destroy stuff. Wow, 20 minutes, and that's where we landed. Okay, moving on. Sorry um, about that. Cody Matori, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Top Critic. The movie is ultimately a 90-minute commercial with vivid colors and other cuddly game characters popping up along the way. That's not fair. This movie had as had a good and, and solid a movie structure as anything else I've seen, animated or otherwise. That, that That's just somebody being shitty. Um, um, I won't necessarily agree with you that this is the most fundamentally sound movie I've ever seen. I will agree with you in the sense that this is not a commercial. Angry what? Birds has no, been out no, for... Hang on. No, what's, come on. 
when you reduce this down to a, to its least common denominator, what the, what, the, what what was unsound about this? You have a civilization. They took time to establish what the civilization was, who the people were in it, why it operates the way that it does. In that in in that civilization, you have a main character who we we agreed wasn't written all that great, but the character is there. It's a you know when you have to say things need to there needs to be these elements in order to make a sound movie. They're there. You have pigs who want eggs. Pigs come, fool the uh, the birds, take the eggs. The birds go get them back. I, 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 it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be complex. I said sound. Okay. I don't know where what's unsound about what I just said. All right. If you set the bar low enough, this is sound. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> at, at a minimum, it had a sound plot. I'm not saying it was complex. It's not complex. It's not terribly well-developed, but you have broadly drawn characters. You have things that happen. People respond, and there's a conclusion. Okay. In that sense, sure, we have a more fundamentally sound movie than Plan 9 from Outer Space. They have a more fundamentally sound movie than Civil War. Again, we're not doing that again. <laughs> I'm sorry. This made sense. But Civil War didn't. See, previous statement. Have, you didn't have to depend on the most amazing set of coincidences for your half-assed plot to come together. Well, unless you count the pigs randomly sailing around. Because if they miss the island, then we got nothing. Well, I think that goes without saying. Um, if a hurricane comes and wipes out the wipes out the uh, the bird uh, the bird we also have no movie. What are we talking about here? Edward Douglas, film journal international, an oppressive onslaught of noises, colors, and occasionally punctuated by a joke. That's just mean and wrong. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat there. Oh, you're all ants at a picnic. I am not ants at a picnic. We've discussed this before. Now. I- I'll disagree with his characterization of oppressive, but in the sense that this is a lot of noise, a lot of bright colors, and the occasional joke just for 90 minutes repeated, I fundamentally agree with. Um, I think that was it as far as ones where I was like, oh, i got to bring this up on the show. Let me <laughs> Stephen Witty, W-H-I-T-T-Y. New York Daily News top critic: The Angry Birds movie is just foul. F O W L. Oh, it's a pun. You know puns are the lowest form of humor, right? He gets paid to write that. I just want you to know. Yeah, there's a reason the you know the newspaper business is dying. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. He should be ashamed of himself for having written that. He really should. Uh, Sergio Benitez of Blog de Cine. Don't take your children to sit and lose an hour and a half of their lives. You won't get back. You've been warned. Fair enough. Boo. Well, uh, let me let me let me qualify my agreement. If you are trying to raise your children in a way that is different from being bombarded with bright colors and stupid jokes with a lot of bear pig hey, prostate let me stop you there depending on what age your child is first of all 
um, will also determine what you're going to try to uh, try them out on. Uh, number one. Number two. Before you judge me, not judging for bringing my child to the Angry Birds when I could have shown her the secret of Nim, the last unicorn. I could have shown her war and peace. I could have sat her down and we could have watched uh, Rosebud. Fuck, what's the name of the movie? Citizen Kane. Uh, Thank you. I could have sat her down and we could have watched Citizen Kane together. Have you ever actually sat and watched television with a child? It's hard to get into sit down and watch just about anything. But, you know, I'm going to forgive parents for uh, exposing their children to a wide array of, uh, of, mu- of, of movies. Sometimes it's okay to watch nonsense, okay? We don't always have to be shoving Citizen Kane and, you know, and just the most masterful of cinema down their throats. Number one, they're going to look at you like, why the fuck am I watching this? Okay? Number two, you know, life is to be lived and have fun. This movie is fun. Let it go. Well, I mean, fun might be a stretch, but... I'm going to end this whole routine uh, by Henry Fitz, Fitzherbert for the Daily Express who has my favorite review of the whole of the whole thing here. Just I think this other than my favorite part is when the bird shot fireballs from her butt. This is the only other thing that needs to be said about this movie. For the record, my eight year old son gave it five stars. Yeah, I'm sure your eight year old son probably tolerated the Bratz movie too. <laughs> so, we ready to talk about next week? Yeah, next week we get to talk about X-Men Apocalypse. And I'm, I have a challenge for all critics out there that I will reiterate next week. You see, this is tracking to be the worst-reviewed movie of the X-Men franchise. That's okay. I'm not demanding that this be better rated. I'm not on my high horse here about that. Here's my challenge to all of you critics out there. If you had the temerity to give X3 the last stand a positive review and gave this one a negative review, I defy you to go back, rewatch X3 with the slightly more jaundiced view that we now have about superhero movies and see if you arrive at the same conclusion. Because I have an, I haven't seen the movie yet. I will. I just, I have, I don't know if this qualifies within the overall franchise, but, or X-Men Origins, uh, Wolverine, because that's a terrible movie. I would, I will be shocked if this, if Apocalypse is fundamentally worse than X3. Shocked. Yeah, I have a funny theory. Go ahead, finish. I know what your theory is. Well, I was going to say, I have a funny feeling we're going to spend a lot of the next review. Like, we're going to get through the... We're both going to say the same thing. Like, yeah, it was all right. You know, would have changed this, would have changed that, this, I have, you know, whatever. But, it, like, it's going to be 10 minutes of us reviewing the movie and an, and an hour and 20 minutes of us screaming at the critics. I don't care how many times you've seen this before. Your job is to judge this movie on its face. 
not you know, not to not to continually compare it to everything else you've seen. No shit, we've seen end of the world movies before, you assholes. Get get prepared for a lot of that. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of that. Um, all list, right. Folks. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. Uh, I'm, at this point, I'm honestly hoping the movie either fails spectacularly creatively or exceeds all expectations, at which point I will have so much more ammunition to throw at the other critics. Yeah, we'll see. That, 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 that the, uh, just to give a hint of what we're talking about here, a lot of it is, a lot of, a lot of the criticism is, oh, we've seen this, we've seen it before, and they kind of leave their criticism at that. Okay, <laughs> we've seen a lot of these things before. Um, a lot of what was seen in Civil War, we've seen before. So, that's not a good criticism. You're supposed to, you know, again, the acting, the, the set pieces, the plot, these are all things that you need to judge, and you need to be objective about that. And what we're finding is a if lot of your, these, uh, If your fundamental okay. objection to this film is, boy, I'm sure bored of superhero movies, that's not a valid <laughs> criticism. No. Um, in addition to reviewing X-Men Apocalypse, uh, Long Road to Ruin will be looking at the first three X-Men movies. And uh, my goal... And my goal... So, uh, by the way, it'll also be my birthday. But my goal is, is to... Look at them with uh, objective, open eyes, and not to, and not look at them as a comic book fan, but strictly. I'm going to pretend I don't know anything about the X-Men characters at all, and just judge each of these movies on, on its face uh, as movies. I, I'm going. I want to go in ta- almost you know, tabula rosa, just completely devoid of anything I know about about the source material. And see if what has been said about them and what I remember about them still stands. What is good, two is better, three is the worst piece of shit ever captured on film. So, oh, it's not the um, worst thing ever captured on film. It's just a really bad movie. Everyone hates it. Uh, I want to see how I want to see how bad three is if I don't think about the Dark Phoenix saga in the comic book. So, no, um, the only thing you have to do is remember that. Within that movie, they suddenly abandon a lot of the consistency established by the other two movies. Well, like I said, don't ruin it for me. Um, I'm go- this is uh, this is something I'm taking very seriously. Uh, I want to really, re- I want to really sit down and analyze these movies as movies and not as comic book movies per se. So we'll see what uh, what me and Sean come up with. Sean's got a lot of trivia and history about how the first movie got made, which is very interesting. Um, I, I can see, from soup to nuts, I can see how, what, why we got what we got when we got it. Um, we'll also, Metal Hammer of Doom, we moved up uh, one of our reviews from a couple of weeks from now. We moved it up to this Tuesday. Uh, Grand Magus Sword Songs. Uh, apparently, Jesse Starcher's favorite album of the year so far. Uh, he thinks it's just the bee's knees. And uh, next uh, Saturday, June 4th, um, is Rockhold versus Bisping 2, Electric Boogaloo, formerly Rockhold versus Weidman 2, Electric Boogaloo, as brought to you by Robert Winfrey. Yeah, this Sunday there's UFC Fight Night 88, headlined by Thomas Almeida and Cody Garbrandt. It's a pretty good card. Uh, next Saturday, UFC 199. Yeah, we got a. Yeah, Mike, 
Michael Bisping has, I have a better chance or an equal chance of beating Luke Rockhold than Michael Bisping does. Okay. Uh, there's also the third fight between Dominic Cruz and Uriah Faber, old Butchin's final shot at glory in the UFC, and he's going down hard. <laughs> I, I do not care for Uriah Faber at all. Really? No one's ever heard you say that before. I don't imagine anyone who's listening to this has ever heard me say it before. No, everyone's heard you say it. My wife has heard you say it, and she doesn't listen to this podcast. Yeah, but she was in the room when you were ta- when you and I were talking about it. And because your she speakers doesn't... go out just to your house. Um, she doesn't like your favorite either, by the way. I'm aware. It's one of the... You, you did good, Mark. I, I've mentioned this in the past. Oh, thanks. Gotta have your approval. Eh. I mean, it's not necessary, but I'm sure it helps. It's like saffron. Sure. All right. Let's get, let's get out of here. Uh, yeah, that's it. Mark and I will be back next week reviewing X-Men Apocalypse. Again, I will have live coverage of UFC Fight Night 88 this Sunday, so there is no 411 Grand and Pound radio show. We'll be back the, sun- the next Sunday, which is the 5th of June, and we'll be reviewing both of those previously discussed events. And then, yeah, there's the schedule for June gets a little bit weird because they front-loaded a lot of July. All right, Mark and I will be back next week for Apocalypse and the week after for something else. I don't know. I don't remember uh, what it is. What is it? I'll tell you. Um, you're gonna be off. Oh, the turtles. Yeah, I I'm taking a mental health break. <laughs> All right, June first, Apocalypse. Uh, June eighth, I think Jesse and Teasley are going to review the second Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie with me. You'll be back on the 15th for Warcraft. Taking my daughter to see Warcraft because hashtag you're never too young for high fantasy. As I keep trying to Uh, tell my wife. I'd be careful. Okay. I don't know how they made Warcraft. There's it's PG-13 if memory serves and There's some wiggle room within that rating, and given the source material, there's ways they could have gone with it. I'll do some research and see how wildly inappropriate for a five-year-old girl it is. Uh, Anyway, Warcraft, June 15th, and Finding Dory on June 22nd. I'm not going to keep this out. June 29th, Independence Day 2. Yeah, those are all certainly movies. So come back for all, all right. of those and get us to review them, and we'll be reviewing them. Until next week, for Mark Radlich, I'm Robert Winford, reminding everyone out there to please continue to be well, be safe, and behave. 